welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful growth steps, resources, join a servant team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this moment financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience Worship original songs, and we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online. So I was home at Christmas, spending some time with my uh, dad and my mom and my two brothers and their families. And I was at my dad's house and sitting in his home office while he was off at work. And he came home and found me in his office working on the computer. And he said, hey, Brandon, what you working on? And I said, hey, I'm, I'm making some plans for 2018. And without hesitation, he looked back at me and he says, you know, after being a pastor for my entire life, great man of God, he looks at me and he says, you know what God says when we make plans, right? <laughs> I look back at him and I had no idea before I could even say, no, I don't know what God says when we make plans. He just started laughing so loud, hysterically laughing at me and it jolted me. He was laughing so hard and, and, and his point settled in my soul. You know, we can make plans and I hope you have great plans for this year. We can make plans but our plans are nothing compared to God's plans for us. And really, I mean, God up in heaven must surely laugh when you and I make our plans because we don't know the future. God does. He's outside of it. But we can put together our plans and our goals and our priorities. But in the end of the day, God has a plan. And I want you to know that, that God has a plan for your life. When you, when you look ahead, you may say, but Brent, I just, I don't know what direction I'm going in. I, I want this year to be better than last year. I, I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there. I just want you to know that God does have a plan for your life. And you need to know that, that God, he cares about you. He's watching you. He has his eyes on you. And he has not forgotten about you. He has a plan. But you also need to know that whatever your plans are, and again, I hope you have great aspirations for this year, you need to know that God's plans for you are better they're immeasurably better than your plans. And you say, but Brandon, I'm a dreamer. I make big plans. I hope you do. But you need to know no matter how big you dream, God does have better plans for your life. And I think this is so deep within me because every single Sunday growing up, my parents had me in church and I sat even as a student in, in the back and I, I remember hearing the pastor of our church come up on stage at the end of every service and he would read from Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 20, and he would simply read, Now to him, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And he would say that every single Sunday. We would we'd sit in the back and we'd kind of quote it along with him. Immeasurably more. And I just want you to know that God has plans for your life this year, but they're better than your plans. So go ahead and make your plans, but know that God's got better plans for you this year if you'll honor him 
because God loves to honor those who honor him. And so follow him this year. Know that, know that he's with you and then know that he is for you. But here's my question. You know, what's, what's in the way? Because God's always had a plan for your life, but clearly if you look back on these last few years of your life, you can, you can pinpoint areas where you say, well, you know what? That did not go how it should have gone. And, and this did not work out in the way I hoped it would. And what, what's the thing that's in the way of God unleashing his blessing in your life, unleashing the power of a fresh start as you reset yourself into this new year? What, what's that thing that, that if could be moved out of the way, that it would just allow God to channel into your life just such power? What, what's that thing that's holding you back? What is it that needs to be reset? What, what is that? And, and I think that there's a couple things today that, that if, if, if you understand them and apply them to your life, and, and they're, they're, man, they're so married together. One, one is, is very spiritual in nature, having to do with, with what God's able to do in our lives and our understanding of that. And, and then the other, very practical in nature, relating to how we respond to God's movements in us. And, and these two things that I want to address today, I believe if you will, if you will allow God to bring them freshly into your spirit as you go into this new year, I really believe that God will be more freed up to really work in your life so that you'll find yourself some point this year singing that theme song, that anthem, you know, free, free, forever we're free. And, 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 and maybe today you, you, you lift those words and, and you sang that song, but you don't feel that way. You don't feel freed up to really run, to experience life, and, and I want that for you. I pray that for you. In fact, I pray for you often, and I pray that God will do something new in your life this year. So how does that happen? How do we get out of the way and let God really move in a fresh and a new way? Well, man, there's this story in, that Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 5, a story about a woman who was stuck. She'd been stuck for a long time, and she met Jesus, and he, and he completely changed her life for the better. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Verse 24 says, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. This is told by Mark, one of Jesus' followers. And he says, this woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. 12 long years. You have a health problem for 12 years? I mean, you are at the end of yourself. You are so disappointed, discouraged, disillusioned. I mean, every diss you can think of, you've been there, done that. Verse 26, it says, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You ever like try everything you can think of to fix a problem in your life and still nothing works? You ever try to make progress and find yourself going backwards? I mean, she spent everything she had. She's broke. She, she tracked down every doctor she could think of. And there was no internet. I mean, how do you do that? It's going to take a long time. I mean, she, everything that she could think to do and everything that she tried did not work, did not fix her situation. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, this man who'd been healing people, doing the supernatural, Son of God walking the earth blew her mind. And she said, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She touched his cloak because she thought, this, this is her, her reasoning. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, 
Not five weeks, not five months, right in that moment. That's how it worked this time. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. Free, free, forever I'm free. She's feeling it. She's completely been impacted and changed. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you as disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go walk a new journey. You're free from what's been holding you back. You're free to step into the future. You know, this woman had something that was holding her back, that was really holding her hostage. It was a problem in her life that she could not solve. In your life, have you come to the place yet where you've realized the edge of your humanity? You know, I think when we're young, we realize that, you know, that we have this, this energy and strength inside of us. There's some determination, and if we'll put our mind to things, we can accomplish a lot. And I think we're a little bit self-delusioned at the beginning of our lives that we can, we can do anything. And, and there's some great motivation out there that I think has a lot of truth in it. I mean, you can do whatever you put your mind to, and I love that. But you get at some point in life, you realize that there are certain limitations that you are not God. There is a God, but you're not it. <laughs> there is a creator that can do all things, but you're not him. And, 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 and there's limitations in your life, and there's problems, and there's things you can't solve. And it might be a medical condition like this woman, or it might be a, a relationship thing that you just can't fix. It might be addiction that you can't get past, a fear you can't overcome, an anger issue that you can't resolve, some kind of problem that you just cannot find peace and you cannot find joy about. And, and, and you're like, I'm stuck. How do you get through that? How did, how did this woman get through where she was stuck? I, mean, I hope if that's you, that you'll write down these two lessons. It's, it's in your teaching notes. And here it is. More faith, less excuses. As you move into 2018, I hope you not only write that down, but I hope that you live that out. More faith. More faith, less excuses. More faith that God can. More faith that God is able not a generic wish that, man, I hope that there's someone up there that can do something about it. No, this is a confidence, a trust in a God who can do the supernatural, who can do the impossible, a God who cares about you and can change your situation. You can become too familiar with the things of God that you forget that you serve a living, active God who is able to do the impossible, that raised his son Jesus from the grave, from the, from the dead. And, and, and we serve a God who is able to do the miraculous. All things are possible with God. Not with us. With man there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. God can. Maybe that's just a phrase you just want to let kind of be the heartbeat in your life this year. God can. No, God can. God can do this. I'm going to have more faith this year. More faith, less excuses. More faith. Let's talk about more faith. Why is it important? Two, two reasons stand out to me. One is, is, is very practical. If you don't believe that God can, you won't go looking for it. You know, we hold ourselves back. We, we settle. We think, well, I've tried that. <laughs> this woman, 12 years. 12 long years. 
tracked down every doctor she could find, spent every dollar she had, nothing worked. It's not going to change. It can't change. How many would have given up? How many would have said, this is going to be for the rest of my life. I'm never going to get past this. This fear that I just, I, I just can't do it. It's not my personality. It's my background. When I was a kid, I don't have the education. Whatever the thing is, I have so many reasons. I just don't, And how many of us would have never reached out to Jesus and been healed? She was actually healed. Jesus did something amazing in her life. She had tried everything, but she didn't give up. She said, well, you know what? I've tried everything else. I've tried it my way. I'm going to try it God's way. Jesus, I believe you can. More faith. More faith. Where have you lost confidence? The second reason is a spiritual reason. I really deeply believe, and I see this all throughout the pages of Scripture, all throughout God's Word, that, that faith finds favor. Faith finds favor with God. God's, I mean, you want to you peek the radar of heaven? Live out faith. Express faith. God sees it. When he, when he sees his kids have faith, I, God, I actually dare to believe that you can. I believe God can. That gets God's attention. It gets his attention. You, the devil is real. In, in the same way that God is for you, the devil is against you because he's against God. And one of his chief strategies is to destroy your confidence, to tear down your confidence so that you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in, in what he's going to do in the future. That you, he'll just tear down your confidence. He loves to destroy your confidence. And, and part of faith is rebuilding that trust in God and that confidence saying, you know what? Maybe I have been beaten down by the world, and this woman surely was there. I've, I've tried it. It just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked out for me. Why me? How come this happened? It's out of my control. I didn't choose this. But it's saying, God can. God can. There's, God has something for me, and I believe he can. And, and if he can't, I'm no worse off, but I believe that God can, and if he chooses to heal me, he can do that. And if, and if he chooses to give me more strength to get through what I'm going through, he can do that too, but God can. I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to trust him, more faith. And I think that's part of it. But I think there's also married so closely to this. There's the human side of it. There's this, this fact that we have to believe more deeply this year to unleash what God wants to do, more faith. But I think there's also this aspect to it of less excuses. Less excuses. We make so many excuses that hold us back. We waste so much time making excuses. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, my, my mentor, Pastor Kevin Myers, he says, you know, your reasons, they explain you, but they don't excuse you. And we love to explain our situation, don't we? We have so many great reasons why we are where we are and why we're not where we should be, why we're not living our faith out like we should be, why we're not seeing God's blessing come into our life like it should be, why we're not serving God like we should be, whatever. We have so many reasons, so many excuses. Well, see, there was this thing that happened to me a long time ago. And, and I just, I'm not able to do that because, well, there's, there's what's holding you back right there, it's your because. Well, I believe God can, but, well, <laughs> there's what's standing in the way. It's, there's your excuse right there. And well, I know God can do it. I'm sure he can do it for a lot of people. And maybe he could, but, well, that could, maybe he could, that's what's holding you back. It's more faith, but it's also less excuses. Jennifer was driving a while back this fall, and 
I was sitting in the passenger seat doing some work, and we were cruising down the road. She went through a traffic light a little bit too late, and a photo sensor went off and flashed. And we're like, oh, no. And you would have had the same sinking feeling in your gut had it been you, because you know that that means most likely you're going to get a ticket, and you're going to have to pay for it, and then you have to pay for it again when you get your car insurance bill every time for six months, every six months for a few years, and you're going to be paying for that thing for a while. And so you have this sinking feeling in your gut. But for our family, even the kids groaned once I explained what happened because they knew what we all know in our family and have talked about a number of times that Jennifer has never got a ticket in her entire life. Never. She never got a traffic ticket her entire life. This is amazing to me because as soon as I was 16... I didn't make it to my 17th birthday, and an officer pulled me over for speeding, and I'm like, oh, this is how this works. I can't go as fast as I want to go. I'm not going to be a race car driver. And so I was vicariously living through my wife's journey. You never had a ticket. That's awesome, babe. That's so cool. That's part of our family story. If it's a trophy, we'd put it up on the shelf. You have never got a ticket. And now she goes through this light, the photo goes off, and we're thinking, oh, no, the kids are groaning. Like, oh, mom, you blew it. Used to be such a role model for us, and just the whole thing is bad now. And so we're we're bummed about it, and and you know we're hoping that maybe you know whoever's looking at the computer screen that next week, and they're sending out all the tickets, they're like, let's let this one pass. You know, maybe just, maybe God will do a miracle. You know, it's like we love Jesus, we're pastors. Maybe He'll just let us off the hook. Maybe the computer will screw up, and they won't be able to read the license plate, and they'll be like, maybe that's not. And so I'm thinking maybe we'll get out of this. And so a couple weeks later, we're sending it home, and. Go out to the mailbox and bring the mail in the house and looking through it and see this envelope. And I was like, oh, I know what this is. Thank God they got us. And so I, I opened it up. And I'm feeling so bad because, like, she had a streak her entire life, you know, never a traffic ticket. I'm like, open it up, like, how much do we owe? And there it is. Here's how much you owe. I'm thinking, man, that's going to cost us. And let's go down through the ticket. And sure enough, there's a picture of our vehicle, I mean, there's no mistaking, our clear endless summer license plate with all the, you know, all this stuff on it. So it's like, man, you can clearly just see that thing. That's our, pl- that's our car, our plate. There's no way we can debate. I mean, we, we are getting the ticket. We're paying this. Fine. And then do you ever, like, see something that, that makes you do a double take? You look at it and you're like, no, that can't be right. I looked down at the bottom of that thing and it said, Brandon Bruce. <laughs> I'm flipping the thing over like, well, I wasn't driving. They don't know that. They looked at the car registration or something, and it's like, there's, Brandon Bruce, I was not driving. I'm like, that's, my wife was driving. I got a ticket. I was, I couldn't believe it. And I thought about, I'm like, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him and tell him it wasn't me, give the ticket to my wife. And I'm like, I can't do that. What kind of horrible husband sells out their wife? I need you to transfer the ticket to my wife. She was driving. Uh Uh-huh. Even if you're telling the truth, you're a horrible man. You're not even a man. It's like, I can't do that. Brandon Bruce, I mean, I got a ticket. She still has no ticket on her record. You know, I has another ticket on the record. That's horrible, man. I didn't, I was partially excited for her, but then I'm like feeling miserable for myself. Horrible. The only time I've ever seen her uh, get pulled over, like in our entire life, other than that experience we had, the only other traffic situation she had was when we were in our early 20s, we had just got married, and she was a teacher on the other side of town. She was running late one morning. I wasn't there with her because I was off at my job, but I heard about it that night at the dinner table. She was driving a little too fast. Officer pulls her over, and he's, well, you know how it is. They wait there a long time, and they're running the computer and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and so she, she's really upset inside because she's like, oh, no, my kids are in the classroom. 
at school and I'm not there. And she's picturing all these little faces like, where's our teacher? And, and she's just never been pulled over before. And so it's just this experience. And the officer comes up and, and, and ends up letting her off the hook. And she doesn't get a ticket and she goes on her way to school. She's telling me about this over the dinner table. I'm like, how did you not get a ticket? Every time in my life I've ever been pulled over for speeding, they always give me a ticket. And I try to talk my way out of it. You know, that's what I do. I, I talk, I teach, so I thought I got all kinds of great reasons. And it's like I try to give those. And every time I get a ticket, she, I'm like, what did you do different? Like, what did you say to get you out of the ticket? She's like, well, I didn't say anything. I was thinking about my kids and, and how I was letting them down. I was thinking about how I've never had a ticket before and I'm just letting myself down. And, and she goes, I just started crying. I'm like, so you started crying, then what happened next? He says, well, the officer said, ma'am, I don't know what's going on in your life, but just, just slow it down. And he let me go. <laughs> All you got to do is cry, and then you get, I'm like, that ain't right. That's, there's something wrong about that. I'm telling you, every time I make excuses, it just never worked. And, and what I'm telling you is whatever excuses that are going on in your mind, whether you're saying them with your lips or you're thinking them, they're holding you back. And those excuses are not going to move you forward. Those excuses are going to hold you back. And so this year, you want to see God unleash something new in your life? More faith. God can. Less excuses. Less excuses. I will. I will. I will do, God, what you want me to do. No excuses. No, but God, this. No, but I have all these reasons. Don't waste your time. More faith. Less excuses. This woman had a lot of excuses. The doctors couldn't do it. It's been a long time. Maybe God made me this way. Maybe this is what, no, no excuses. More faith likes excuses. God, this is what you say is right. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to live for you. God, what you say goes. I trust you. I trust that your plan's better than my plan. I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to move closer to Jesus. Let me ask you this. What's the excuse that's holding you back this year? What's the excuse? What is it going to be that if you don't let go of it, if you don't reset at the end of 2018, you're going to have some regret because you didn't reset. What is it? What's, what's the excuse? What's the lie that you've been buying into? Where do you need to increase your faith this year? You know, I, I think it's interesting how this miracle happened. Verse 27, it says, when this woman had heard about Jesus. That was, that was really the difference maker. That was where things started to change. That was where the tipping point. This woman, she heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his cloak. So she reached out through the crowd. She tracked him down, and she reached out. She touched him, and, and here's what she thought. She said, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. I, I, just, I believe that if I could just get, here it was, if I could just get closer to Jesus, I will be healed. I believe that. If I could just get closer to him. And, and whatever your problem is, whatever the issue is, whatever it is that you're trying to move ahead on, take new ground on, get to the next level, if I could just get closer to Jesus, that will help me. If that will change me. That's what I need to be free. And this woman was free because of what God did in her life, because she got close to Jesus. And that's going to be the difference maker for you, getting close to Jesus. We have a guy in our band, he comes up here most Sundays, Mike, and pulls out his guitar and he plays his guitar and he worships and helps lead us in worship. And, and uh, Mike, uh, Mike is a commercial airline pilot during the week. He's been doing this for a long time and flies all around the country. And Mike comes up here and he plays guitar in the band and, and he's a great guy. And so I've, I've got a lot of time, got to know him, hanging out, talking after services. And one week we're standing around outside and, and I, I decided I'm going to mess with Mike a little bit and just razz him a little bit. And uh, he's a friend and so I, I felt like I could do that. And so I just started teasing him. I'm like, you know, Mike, I, I teach people to grow closer to God, and, you know, you have no excuse 
to be closer to God. I mean, you're, you fly. You're up in the heaven every week. You, you like flying through the sky. You should be, of anybody, I mean, you should be closer to God than all the rest. You have no excuse. And I'm thinking, like, Mike has like such a great connection with God because think about it, if you're standing next to a cell phone tower, you have great reception. Mike should have great reception. I'm thinking, this is like when someone goes by your house and they call you up and they say, hey man, I'm in your hood and I just decided to stop by, I'm, I'm, I'm real close. Like you're in his backyard. It's better than that, it's like getting a backstage pass at a concert, like you're there, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking all these things, I'm just messing with Mike and like, you should be closer to God and I'm just having fun. And Mike, man, he, 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 he turned it. He turned my joking into a spiritual lesson. He said, Brandon, he said, closer to God is not up there, it's in here. I'm like, oh, got the preacher. Man, you, he dropped one on me. That was so good. It's not out there somewhere. Getting closer to God is not about the things, it's, it's, it's in here. It's, it's not about these things we do, it's, it's in here. And man, I, I was having some fun with him, but man, he taught me something, reminded me of something that's so true. You, you think the answer to your problem is somewhere out there. And this woman, she had tried everything. She had tried to fix her problem, and she had gone to this doctor and gone to that doctor. And listen, if you have a health thing in your life, I believe confidently that God gave us doctors and hospitals and nurses and medicines. I'm not someone who would say, hey, just have faith in God and let, just pray, and that's all you need to do. And if you go get medicine, that's lack of faith. I don't believe that. I don't see that in Scripture. I think God gave us these things for our benefit. And if God chooses to heal you through medicine or through doctors, and that's great, but I'm still gonna pray as well while I seek out the solution. And if you have some area in your life where you're stuck and there's something you just can't get through, you can't get past it, you can't fix it, or there's something big that's bigger than you and you're like, I'm going after this this year and I don't know how it's gonna happen. What I'm saying is that you can try a lot of different things and you can read something online and try that and you can ask your friends what they think and all that's fine, feel free to do that. But the thing that might be holding you back is more faith, is getting closer to God, moving in. This woman tried everything and the thing that she tried last was the thing she really needed and that was to get closer to Jesus. And she got close to Jesus and being in the crowd wasn't enough. Attending a church is not enough. She's like, I want to be right there next to Jesus on Monday morning. On Wednesday when I'm going through my floor, I want to I be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus on the weekend. On Friday night, I want Jesus to still be real to me. I don't want to just be a Sunday Christian. She, she wasn't content being in the crowd. She says, I'm going to get close to Jesus, and I'm going I'm to reach out and touch him. And I believe in doing that, that's going to change my life, and it, and it did. So, so grow close to Jesus. And, and, and listen, if you do that this year, this is the result that she got. It says immediately, immediately. That's how it happened for her. I hope that's how it happens for you. Maybe it'll take a period of time, but, but God is at work as you get close to Jesus. And it says her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She was moving on. She was reset to a new place. It says she was freed. Free, free, forever I'm free. I mean, that's, that was her, her new anthem, man. I, like, she made it. God had done something in her, and it was through faith. And listen, you want progress this year, and whatever it is that you're working on, you want to see progress. Here it is in your notes. God has my progress. He does. God has your progress. You, you want to see progress in your life? God has it. 
Go try some other stuff. Go, go add some things in and work out some But I'm telling you, where, where you're going to see the greatest gains in your life is through Jesus and his work in you and what he does in your spirit and, and unleashing the power of a fresh start with Christ this year and putting sin down and picking up more faith and saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to live for you. I trust you. I believe in you. And it's not a perfect world and there's sin and, and I'm not perfect, but Jesus, I'm, I want more of you this year. I believe and I know that my progress is in you. Maybe you feel stuck. You sit in your seat today. In fact, you kind of crashed into your seat on this cold Florida morning, and you say, I'm just, I'm stuck. This woman, she understands. She'd been there for 12 years. Maybe you can relate, and you have a long journey you've been working, and you're saying, man, I just would love to see some breakthrough, and I want to have that faith, but less excuses. I don't know. All right. It's been a long road, though. I, I feel stuck. We have a tradition we go back to see my family in Michigan, we'll, uh, we'll go to this uh, trampoline park that they have, and it's an annual thing. We go to it every year. We take the kids, and parents, the grandparents are so kind to pay for the kids to go, and it's just a, a great experience for them. And, and, and I get to tag along, and I, I really I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And we go, we have fun, we bounce around, all the activities. But there's one specific event there that I just have this love-hate relationship with. It's a foam pit. And this foam pit it's got all these huge foam blocks, and you can jump off trampolines into the foam pit. And I love it because you just get to jump, flip, whatever, into this big pile of what feels like pillows. It's like you're jumping into a cloud. And you can't get hurt. It doesn't matter how high you jump. It doesn't matter how hard you fall. It's like landing in a cloud. It's just the coolest experience. But I hate it because I can never get out. Little kids, they just like float across the top. I sink. And there's no, like, real bottom that I can easily stand on. It's, like, it's pretty deep, and, and I can't, like, grab anything to pull myself out. Sometimes I'll grab a kid and, like, pull myself out. But it's, like, <laughs> I am sinking in this thing. I mean, it feels like you're in a swamp, and you just, like, you're drowning. And I, so I love it. I love jumping in. I hate trying to get out. It's, like, the most strenuous physical activity I do all year long. It's, like, the hardest thing. I feel stuck. If you don't know, if you've never seen one of these foam pits, let me, I just have a real quick clip. Check it out. This is what I'm talking about. Don't feel bad for him. That's my little, my little nephew, Riot. You don't have to feel bad. My, my brother couldn't be there, so he put me in charge of him. So I, I took care of him. I distinctly remember a time when my son could not swim, and my younger brother took my son and threw him out into the deep end. Like, I'll teach you how to swim. So I taught his kid how to fly. <laughs> it's a fair game. But he was safe. He loved it. You know, sometimes we're, we're in a space where we just feel like you're in that, that pit, and you just... You cannot get out. You're like stuck. 12 years, I've tried everything. I'm bankrupt. I can't do it. And, and you're saying, Brandon, I'm not bankrupt like this woman from trying all these things. I'm bankrupt spiritually. I've come to a place where I cannot get past. I cannot get through. I, and I'm telling you, God has your progress. God has your progress. And you, you can try everything, and please do feel free to try what you need to try if it's pleasing to God. And there's certainly a lot of great experts out there, and there's a lot of great methods and all these things for whatever it is you're trying to work on. But I'm telling you, your real progress that you're going to make this year, spiritually and in every area of your life, it's with God. He has your progress. But there's something else that God has for you in Mark 5. I see it in this woman's story. Verse 30, it says, At once Jesus realized... That power had gone out from him. The power had gone out from him. He turned and wondered who had 
touched him. And, and this woman, it says down in verse 34, that she was freed. Her, her situation was changed. What, what she could not change, God changed in that moment. So write this down too. God not only has your progress, but God has your power. God has the power that you need, the power you don't have, he can give to you, and you're saying, I just don't know if I can make it another year. This relationship is so hard. I know I'm supposed to be faithful and stay in it. It's not easy. God will empower you by his Holy Spirit as you trust him. Just to wake up another day and do another journey of it and another lap, another mile, Brandon, it's just, I don't know if I have it in me. You might not in your flesh. God has your power. What you're looking for, that recharge, that restart, that reset that you don't have in you, God has for you. So let God, let God do what he does best and empower his people to press forward, to see progress. God has your power. And if you'll trust him, he'll help you, he'll enable you. And I, I think that part of this journey of trusting God and moving ahead, less excuses, I think part of it is there has to be a determination. I see it in this woman. This woman who has tried everything, could have easily given up. She says, I'm going to go press into Jesus and see if that will be my solution. Because I believe, I believe that if I could just touch him, if I could get closer to him, I believe that will change my situation. She had this determination, this, this I will. I will do this. And you had to find some, maybe some, we, we talk about New Year's resolutions. I think you might need to find some new resolution inside of you, some new determination in you this year if you want to see some things change. You might, you might need to find some, God, help me in this. I'm not going to quit on this. God, I'm leaning in. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to do what I can. No more excuses. God, you can. And so, God, I will do this. I, I will. And I think this I will piece of determination, although I think it's very important, it's very dangerous. It's kind of a double-edged sword. And, and let me explain what I mean. I think the healthy side of this you can see in, in the book of Psalms especially. You can see it in King David's prayers, this great man of God who was very imperfect but very much a man of God. He was called a man after God's own heart. He prayed in Psalm 717, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord most high. You know, I think it takes some I will determination to really follow Christ in our culture. When everybody else around you is, is spiritually apathetic or spiritually lost and off track and, and for you to to wake up in the morning and say, I will be in worship. There's a lot of other things I can do. I will be in worship. When no one else is living for Christ in your workplace and everyone's doing whatever they want on the weekend, it takes some determination to say, I will honor God. When the people around you have a horrible attitude and nasty gossips going on and all kinds of unhealthy stuff, you say, I will be grateful. I will not be entitled. I will make the right decisions. When all my friends are doing this and I know it's I will follow Christ. I think it takes some determination to see some breakthrough in your life. This, this resolution that I'm going to press through the heart, I think it takes some of that. In fact, David prayed for this and he had, he had committed adultery. He had this huge setback in his life and not only that, but he had the, he was king and he had, this, in that role, had the authority to do this. He had the, he had the, the husband of the wife that he cheated with. He had him sent into battle and knowing that he would be killed and he was killed, and so he had adultery and murder in his past, and, and Nathan comes to him, sent by God. God still cared about David, so he confronted him in his sin. He said, hey, you sinned, and 
David thankfully repented. He changed direction, reset his life. And in that prayer that we have recorded in Psalm 51 where he's resetting his life, he prays this in verse 12. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I've lost it. I need it back, God. Give me that joy. Renew my spirit. Reset in me. And then he goes on. He says, grant me a willing, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Give me that I will back, God, that willingness to serve you, to follow you, to live for you, to make the right choices, to not slip into sin. God, I will restore that to me. Whereas it can be also a very dangerous place to be when you say I will, because your I will could be all about you. 2018, I will do this. I will be successful. I will get more. I will go get that thing I want. I will do that. I mean, you can step out into some horrible things that will mess your life up by this determination of I will, this persistent stubbornness in our heart, in our sinful heart of the flesh saying, I will do this. Listen to Isaiah chapter 14. You think about these words and how it could relate to the, the, the life of our enemy, the devil, God's elite in heaven. He wanted to be God. He wanted to have the authority of God that he, that he didn't have. He thought he could be God, and so God threw him out of heaven. A third of all the angels, threw, threw him out. And listen to Isaiah chapter 14, and I think you'll pick up on the spirit that we see in, in the devil, he, in Lucifer. How, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. You know, there's a lot of business, self-help, determination. You just, you just say, I will. You just, you just speak. I mean, you just go after it. You make something of yourself. I will. I will can get you into a whole mess of trouble. It can lead you away from God. I mean, the pursuit of money, of pleasure. I mean, it can lead you down a terrible road. You can run some good things in your life by this. I will. It costs, it costs Lucifer everything. It costs him. I mean, the devil was literally thrown out of paradise, out of heaven, out of the presence of God because he said, I will. God's holding out on me. I will go get some. I'll go get what I deserve. I will. And, and there's a difference here between David's willingness, God, I will do what you want me to do, and I have this determination, I'll do your will, and Lucifer's determination, this, this willfulness, I will do what I want to do. And it was Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church in Australia who brought this quote to me, and I've saved it. It's just, it's resonated deeply within me. I think I'm still learning from this. He says, there's nothing wrong with having a commitment to do what you will do as long as it's completely attached, listen, to God's will over your life. Nothing wrong with saying, I will. Nothing wrong with having this determination, this, this willingness. I, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing, God, I, I want to do what you will me to do. I will do it. But he, he goes on and he says, when you think to yourself, I will, you have to ask, is it a rebellious thing, I will, or is it a serving thing, God, your will be done. And I, I'll go back one more time to the Psalms in Psalm chapter 40, verse 8, where, where David prayed this prayer in his song. He says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. God, I will do your will. I'm willing. Is a difference between willing and being willful. And you say, well, I'm a strong, determined, stubborn person. That's how I got where I'm in life. Well, good. I'm glad you have the determination. Just make sure you always submit that to God. And you say, God, I'm willing, and I got that strength in me, but 
if it's not according to your will, I'm out. That's where I tap out. Because I want my will to always follow your will, and I want to be in your will. And if I'm not in your will, then I'm out of your will, and my willingness turns to willfulness, which can lead me to self-destruction. So I'm not going to be willful. I'm going to be willing, and I'm going to follow you. And I, I put it this way in your teaching notes, and I thought about this question for a while, and I wanted to just something that you could carry with you and, and bring into this new year. And here it is. Is my I will set inside God's will? Is it? Is it set inside God's will? You got to have more faith, and I make less excuses, but it can't be about you. It has to be about God's will. Interestingly, before we move on to this final lesson, uh, when I was studying this, I came across this verse in Revelation, and, and I think I knew this probably my whole life. I just knew this about the devil, but I never really thought about it. You kind of associate the devil with hell, and you think the devil is in hell, right? You think flames, the devil, and the pitchfork, and all that. You think, like, he's hell. The devil's not actually in hell. He will be one day, but he's not in hell. He was thrown to earth, and, and he lives on earth where he says, the Bible says he's roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he's trying to get at God by getting at you and destroying God's good work in you, and he's present. And those third of the angels that were kicked out of heaven, those demons, they're here too, and there's a spiritual battle going on in the background. That's why everything doesn't work right, and everything doesn't flow right in this world, and while there's violence, all that, that's the devil destroying God's good work, and there's a light and darkness battle happening but the devil's here. He's present. You need to be aware of that. But he will one day be thrown into hell. He'll one day have the consequence, the full consequence of his choices, of his willfulness. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about how it will be one day. And this is like a prophecy of how things are coming. The last couple chapters, last few chapters of the Bible. And it says in Revelation 20, verse 10, it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. It's talking about what will come in the end times, what will be. Stoned into the burning lake of sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown and they had been tormented day and night forever and ever. And that, that's, that's where his future is. And that's where he's headed. Interestingly, it says in verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And so for anyone who would say, well, I don't think hell is a real place. I don't think it exists. It exists. And be really aware that it exists. And that's where the devil's headed. And for anyone who rejects God, God's a loving God, but he's also a just God. And he's not going to force anybody to spend eternity with him. Anyone who rejects him, that's where their future is. And so it reminds me of the importance of our mission while we're here. There's people who not only are headed to a hell where they're separated from God, they're living in hell right now. They're living a life that feels like hell. You know someone like that? You know someone in your life and you just look at them, maybe it's someone you really care about and you're praying for them because you're like, man, they're making these self-destructive choices or they're chasing things that I know are going to lead them to not a good place. And, and, and you're like, man, their life, even though if it looks good on the outside, it's a living hell inside. And, and that's why we're here, to help more people living in darkness, more people without hope, more people without joy and peace in their life, more people that are not in community, more people who are without the love of God in their life help more people experience life in Jesus Christ. And we got our eyes on that next one, that next one who's going to walk through the doors and hear the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news that Jesus can change their life, give them meaning and purpose and hope. And, and through faith in him, through trust in him, he can change their life. That's why we're here. That's why this church was started a few years ago. That's why we're here today is to worship Jesus, who can free us and help us to actually really live a full life in Jesus Christ. Here's the final lesson in your notes, and I think this summarizes all of it so well. God can, and we will. God can, and we will. And I, I hope that will, will carry you into this new year, this idea that God can, and that we will. More faith, less excuses. We were on a trip one time, and we came across this chessboard, and it had 
large size chess pieces on it. It was laid out in the field. The pieces were about as tall as my youngest kids. And my boys ran out onto the chessboard and they decided they were going to have a little matchup. Mano y mano, brother against brother. And they start playing this game of chess when my two daughters and I come up and we can't play. It's kind of a two player game. And, and so they're like, we want to get in on it. And, and I was trying to think of how to include them, but they couldn't really play because it's just two players. And so I said, I got an idea. Um, guys, how about this? Let's take that king off the board over there. And Kira, why don't you go be over on that side? And Macy, you come with me over here, and we'll take the king and queen off over here, and we'll be on this side. And guys, you just tell us where you'd move, and we'll just stand in our space until you tell us to move. And we started playing this game, and, you know, the, the guys would say, all right, go left. And they tell their little sister, go right, and then go two spaces. I was like, this is a dream for a, a, a brother, right, to tell your little sister, hey, go get me a bowl of cereal. <laughs> Clean my room. It's like he's living out his fantasy right now. Just telling his little sisters and his dad to do whatever he, I want to sleep in. I want to stay up late. He's thinking of all the things that this is, I'm like, this is not going beyond the chessboard. This is limited right here. You know, I think a lot of us, you know, in our, our lives, we're, we're kind of, we're not even on the playing field that God wants. We're over here and we're saying, I'm going to, I'm out here in the field just doing whatever I want to do. And there's this, this, this willfulness and we're missing what God wants to do in our life. And he's saying, listen, this year, if I could get you to line up and if you would just trust me enough that when I say move, you'll move with me, I'm telling you, my plan's better for you. And, and if you'll stay with me, if you'll hang in with me, not, oh, I don't feel like it, I'm busy. I got, if you just say, hey, I'm going to stick with you this year, God, this is the year I'm going to make spiritual resolution to change. And I will be willing to do whatever you want me to do. And God, you say change it, I'm going to change it. You convict me on something, I'm going to follow you, and that's not going to be easy. And, and, and when there's setbacks, when there's hardship, when there's conflict, God, I'm going to press through it. I'm going to trust you, and I will. But not just I will. Here's the beauty of being a part of a local church. And I see that throughout Scripture that we're called not to, you know, be our own church or do our own thing. We're called to be a part of a community of believers, and it takes a lot of forms all throughout the world, but to be connected with other believers, worshiping together corporately, it's not just I will. Your I will is a we will. I don't have an I will alone. It's, it's we will. I, I have those of you who are praying for me, and you need to know, I, as your pastor, I'm praying for you often. Jennifer is praying for you. I know some of our leaders are praying for you, and I hope you're praying for each other. We lock arms together. We get connected. We serve together. We get in groups together. We're, we're so fired up this year about finding new ways to help people connect and grow and learn. And I'm just telling you, if you will, we will. If you will, we will, because God can, and God can. And if you will, we will. We'll see more light in the darkness. We'll see God do more of what he longs to do. See spiritually lost people experience life in Jesus Christ. And you're saying, well, I don't, I don't, I don't. listen, no excuses, less excuses, more faith. God can, we will. Right on? Come on, everybody, right on. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship Original Song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.
Jesus, we trust in you. You are.